Welcome back to another episode of the Product-Led Growth Podcast, where we unpack the lessons we've learned in helping grow companies like Slack, Dropbox, Loom, Calm, Google, and Miro. If you're listening to this episode as opposed to watching it, the deeper voice you'll hear is Elias Rubel, who has served as a marketing advisor to Dropbox, Loom, Hopin, Calm, G2, and a bunch of others through his B2B marketing firm, MatterMade. If you haven't already gathered, the other and much more pleasant voice behind this pod is that of Holly Chen, who's helped grow Slack from 100 to 700 million and ultimately IPO and actively advises a whole ton of companies on marketing and growth. Our goal for each episode is to take you behind the scenes for an unscripted, sometimes too unscripted conversation on some of the top of mind product-led growth challenges we see founders and executives wrestle with on their journey to Decacorn greatness. All right. So since this is our first episode, I'm going to assume that everyone already knows who you are, but because assuming is sometimes bad, let me, let me take a stab at your, at your bio. You jump in if I mess anything up, but yeah. All right. So Holly, you were the head of growth and demand gen at Google for the play store or not play store, Google store. Play Store. Are those the same thing? Are they different? Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> All right. We'll leave it high level uh, at, at a Google store. Um, you were then also the global head of demand gen, uh, head of digital marketing, growth performance marketing, all of the marketings at Slack. <laughs> and now you are an advisor to all of the coolest companies. Uh, you're like growth advisor to Miro, um, Workstream. HQ, let's see, Loom, I know that because we work together there, and Topology, uh, yeah, a bunch. What, what did I miss? There are more that I missed, I think, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it, it's uh, like I primarily focus on like future of work uh, and product-led growth companies uh, and, and help companies to go from uh, product-led to sales-led or from sales-led to, to product-led. Uh, some com- companies I work with is also like, you know, more traditional um, sales-like companies like ServiceNow or, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and Top is also like a sales-led to a product-led. Nice. Cool. That's you. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. Uh, I'm super excited to introduce. <laughs> oh, oh, would you, would, would you go by like Elias or? Yeah. I, I respond to anything that starts with E. So okay. it could be Elias, it could be Eli, it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, another e name that I'm not coming up with fast enough for it to be clever. Wally. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, the CEO of Mattermade, uh, who I don't know how you do it, and working with the most the coolest companies on earth. I think uh, advisor at Dropbox, Loom, Calm, Product Board. Like, yeah all the coolest companies in the Valley, basically. Uh, and before founding uh, MatterMade, um, VP of Marketing at HealthShift and FPX and, and real, like CEO at, at Glider. Uh, just, I don't know, like how old are you? Uh, <laughs> how are you able to do all these things? In, in 
I don't know how many years or like, just let me know your skincare regimen. <laughs> so <I can laughs> do the same. <laughs> oh man. Uh, what an intro. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's a good background. The matter made, we're basically similar to you in the sense that we're focused on usually series B plus companies, mm-hmm. um, who are typically, you know, looking to scale demand gen, looking to scale growth. Um, and if we're lucky, we get to work with someone like you at the helm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, sometimes we're not always that lucky, but um, yeah, we've got a, it's like a 20 person team now and just help become an extension of the companies that we work with where they wish they could hire They're the team that they have a headcount for, but that takes time and you don't want to make a mistake. And so folks bring us in to hit the ground running, essentially. That's amazing. Yeah. Bam. And we get to work together on cool companies. So that's fun. Yes. That's fun. All right. Well, that's that's enough about us. I think people will get the idea. And now we're going to ramble a bit about uh, making the leap from PLG to sales assist or sales led, if that's something you should do, when it should be done, who's done it well, what some mistakes are. I think that's, that's yeah, let's just let's dive in. Let's dive in. Cool. So we're talking about something that I think should be really relevant for a lot of folks in the Valley right now, what to consider when moving from PLG to sales led. Mm -hmm. Interesting topic. Yeah. So, I I mean, this, this could, there's a lot to unpack here, but maybe it'd be helpful upfront if we just set some definitions, because as with any Valley buzzwords like PLG or sales led or sales assist or PQL or what all these things mean different things to different people. So you want to take a stab at like what we mean by in this context, PLG to sales led. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't think there's def- like a definition that everyone is like, Oh, this is the definition. Uh, of course, like open view partners is the one who championed this concept and, and for many years. Uh, and, uh, I was just like literally looking at their blog posts and, and try to find where the definition is. And I, it, it's a long article, so I couldn't <laughs> figure out where it is. Uh, so like, yeah, I guess I will, uh, just define de- in my mind, what product like growth is, uh, a lot of people, uh, talk about it is, uh, the freemium free trial, uh, sort of bottoms up gross motion where, uh, we target the end users, um, and have the, the product experience being the primary driver of the gross motion. Um, and that compared to uh, the sales led motion, which is traditionally B2B companies uh, wanted to use a, a sales team to go after the decision makers uh, and really uh, from a top down perspective uh, on how to drive growth. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's in my mind how I think about it. Uh, probably should like codify it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> no, that seems fair. Yeah. So and then there's like. I mean, our title, we said PLG to sales led, but I also feel like there's this in-between where it's like PLG to sales assist, depending mm-hmm. on how PLGE the companies are, and then to sales led, right? Just depending on where the vision is for the business and how they want to move through the market. Yeah, this is a critical point because I see a lot of people who talk about PLG says, oh, like uh, sales is, is not important or like it's almost a, a, a something they, they try to avoid, but actually at some point 
you do need to like make sure you hire a sales team uh, and connect the dots between product and sales. Um, in in my mind, a sales assist, assist uh, sales team at a PLG company, at least at the early stage, should focus very much on the expansion uh, instead of uh, pure cold outreach um, for to companies that uh, didn't have any product usage. Because um, that's the, the whole point of having a PLG is to reduce the cost per acquisition of entering a new company. Uh, if the end users are already using your product, your sales team is going to be um, so much easier when they reach out to the decision makers to close the deal. Um, so sales assist in this concept um, is saying, hey, let's focus on the end use, getting the end users to have a good experience. Um, and uh, they're activated, they're engaged. And when they hit a certain threshold, uh, which is defined by the PQL, the product, led, uh, product qualified leads, and then the sales team can can go in and, and really uh, you know, either upgrade them to a higher paid plan or to upgrade them to an enterprise plan, uh, which focus on you know the privacy then uh, or like SSO or compliance requirements uh, or admin requirements. So like and, and sales led uh, in contrast is more about um, let's get let's get leads, let's get um, the decision makers as the first sort of the primary driver uh, of, uh, um, of new users, uh, of, uh, of new contracts. Yeah, I feel like my, my tongue-in-cheek reaction to, to the first half of what you're saying is like, when you're chatting with founders of, of these companies and they're like, oh, do we really need sales assist motion or to involve sales at all? Like, wouldn't it just be the grail to have? It's like, well, the answer to that is sure, if you want to always serve ESMBs or SMBs mm -hmm. and you never want to like grow your ACV into mid-market enterprise deals, then yeah, sure. You don't, probably don't need to develop a sales assist motion or a sales led motion, but the minute that you want to grow that business up market and do like a mix shift, then yeah, it's absolutely vital. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, and um, I think about that. I really like uh, um what um uh, when uh, someone from from Miro um talk about the 10 million ARR um uh sort of a threshold uh I, I really like that because I that's what I've seen in some of my um, advisory clients as well uh maybe in the very early days uh we think about um, Prada-led as a primary gross motion, but pretty much as you are going upwards towards that 10 million ARR uh, threshold, and that's when a sales becomes uh, more and more important uh, and make sure you have a solid sales team in place to, to really um, upscale your team. Why do you think there's, a, so I feel like there's a stigma with or like product people probably because they love their product and they're like, you know, yes, I've been spending all this time building it. It's this beautiful, amazing thing that everybody should be using. Like, why do you think there's a stigma around sales or that, sh that mix shift being a bad thing? <laughs> and it isn't with everybody, but like some, some mm -hmm. people, it really is perceived that way. What mm -hmm. do you think that is? Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's because just traditionally B2B, that's how B2B was done. And a lot of founders want to disrupt. Uh, so <laughs> it's a, it's an easy target. Sure. <laughs> All right. Okay. Jokes aside, I think um, sales led um, by, by nature, 
uh, requires a sales team and human capital is expensive. Um, and we've seen um, it happening a lot of times, uh, you know, marketing teams really focusing on driving tons of leads, uh, but not necessarily driving high quality leads. Uh, and then sales team has this like number of leads to work on. And then like um, every step you lose some people. And at the end of the day, you may end up with just a couple of uh good um, sort of go, good contracts. And that's a very involved um, long, long sales cycle potentially and um, lots of just wasted efforts. Um, so that's, I think that's, that's a, the key value of product-led is uh, at least uh, the customers are getting value from usage so that when we sell to them, they are already our customers. Um, so we're we're avoiding these wasted efforts of targeting people who may not um, really find value in in our product in the first place. Um, and there, there's also uh, this issue of if it's a product led, it's if it's a sales led. A lot of companies don't really think about the user experience or don't don't put the user experience as the first priority. Um, and only start think about the user experience when it's renewal time. Uh, so that results in a lot of um, just like um, bad engagement, bad user experience uh, versus product led. Um, the product itself is the driver of growth. Um, so teams do pay a lot of attention to user experience. Um, and, and sometimes I would even venture to say user experience being the primary driver of, uh, of sales pipeline and, and, and the overall growth of the company. So let's get, let's get specific with some companies who have done a really good job of making this transition. And then I think it'd be interesting maybe to talk through some of the stumblings, like, you, you know, you and I both have advised or consulted with, worked with a bunch of these companies um, and seen a lot of stuff go down well. And, you know, sometimes things don't always go down well. So uh, what, but let's start with some good examples. Who's, who's top of mind for you? Ooh, <laughs> well, I'm biased. <laughs> I think, I think uh, uh, some of my clients are, are really good, uh, good examples. Um, uh, Slack, of course, uh, and Miro, uh, Loom, um, Cloud App, uh, all of those are, uh, I think, good examples of product-like growth companies and uh, a horizontal product companies. Yeah, totally. We've seen um, we've seen Product Board, Loom, also, and Dropbox clients of ours that have done this really, really well. Um, so the, on the on the flip side, though, this the top of mind stumbling for me. I'm curious to hear on your end what comes to mind. But for, for me, it's, it's the handoff, like getting that handoff right initially, figuring out like, A, when should the handoff happen from the, you know, this PQL to sales assist? And B, like what information, how do we serve up context and information about this account such that it's not, you know, you don't stumble such that salespeople aren't just going in blind and like, great, we saw you're using our product. Like, let's have a conversation. Um, actually just invested in this company called Endgame that is seeking to solve this exact problem where they're, they're basically ingesting a bunch of product data. And then I'm totally going to butcher their pitch, but <laughs> uh, sorry, Alex. Uh, but they're ingesting all this product data and then making it really simple 
for the sales reps to understand contextually, like what's going on in the account? How are they leveraging the tool? Like just make it really, really easy to get to that helpful context. And that, that transition has been a space where we see companies generally struggle with initially. What, um, how about you? I don't know if this is because of product-led or because um, a lot of product-led ghost companies is also horizontal products. Um, I've seen companies um, really trying to cater to everyone and say, oh, our product can be used by all personas or all uh, all verticals or um, basically everyone in the world who use a computer um, and that um, some of the early adopters can f- make that connection and say, oh, okay, like this is a functionality or the thing that, that, that this thing does. Uh, and then how does that relates to my work? But I would say as soon as we start to think about mainstream users or, or scaling, um, we do need to start making that connection and really clear to the end users. Um, so think through which which um, ideal like um, uh, ideal customer profile that you are targeting and using um, like uh, picking picking verticals that you are most likely to succeed and really making sure you win in those verticals uh, versus you know trying to trying to cater to everyone. So focus. Uh, is is one thing I, I've seen companies struggle, and um, that reminds me of um, mm-hmm. that reminds me of kind of I get up on a soapbox frequently about like the, your now Tam versus your blue mm-hmm. sky Tam, right? Like you have these teams that have been in so many meetings with investors pitching the blue sky Tam that's like their IPO vision that then they come into the the marketing or product planning meetings with that in their mind as opposed to like what what is the universe that we should be speaking to, speaking their language and in front of completely saturating this year to get to our goals for this year? Um, and a lot of the time, to your point on focus, that then blurs the line. And all of a sudden it's like, what the opportunity is so big. Let's just go out and, you know, like get the low hanging fruit everywhere. And right. then invariably they, you know, stumble because they, you know, you can't be everything to everyone initially. Yeah, I remember listening to a podcast actually by the Calently founder. And he said, like, because Calently, like anyone who needs to book uh, an appointment right, can, can use Calently. And uh, it's a great example of um, how, how do you think about vertical, if at all? And, and what they initially picked, uh, so they looked into either scheduling internally or scheduling uh, externally. And they decided on, like, at least uh, uh, scheduling externally because that, um, that has a higher uh, model rate. And then they looked into different personas and decided to uh, go really win in the sales persona. Uh, Cause that's where, where the money is. Uh, I think that's a great example of like, um, let's look at um, which persona or which customer segment is bringing you uh, activated users and engaged users uh, at the same time. Uh, your paid users and what's the highest value LTV uh, customer segments uh, you can win uh, and really hone in that that messaging and 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 um, and, and win uh, in those segments first. Um, 
and and like once you win uh, the initial segments, uh, and you can expand either horizontally or vertically uh, your your product suite uh, to to other segments. So yeah, I was um, I muted myself because the trash truck was going by. <laughs> so I was listening, but uh, you know, classic Zoom. 2021, 2020 Zoom woes. <laughs> All right. So we've gone through, you know, what are, what are the definitions? We've gone through some of the companies that have made that well. We've talked about the difference between sales led and sales assist. I guess maybe all that's left at this point on this topic, I'm sure we could talk about it for hours, but like strategically and tactically, what are some things that they should consider? I think you already hit the nail on the head with the first one around focus like are you are you going to be really focused about you know your effort here but but in the transition itself from plg to sales ladder sales assist so what like segmentation what's your focus mm-hmm. um do you have a you know standard operating procedure between these pqls and your sales team whether that be aes or bdr sdr function that's like a tactical thing to make sure they have. What else are we missing there? Maybe like scoring, like escalations, mm-hmm. right? How do we know? And this is probably a whole nother topic that we'll unpack in a different mm-hmm. episode, but like within a PQL, you know, how do you, ter- how do you decide lead routing within your newly formed sales organization? Like, how do you know when this conversation should not be handled by, you know, fill in the blank team member and instead needs to go to a specific person with specific context. Yeah. I think looking at existing data to see um, what, uh, what, what worked uh, and uh, like, of course, like working with your data scientist team to see like uh, the different thresholds and the percentages of, of likelihood to, um, to upgrade uh, is a first step um, and looking at, different dimensions as well. So, you know, in the process of defining PQL, uh, not only looking at the number of users, uh, but probably also looking at uh, some of the engagement metrics, like, um, you know, at any given time, how many people are collaborating uh, together um, or like um, what we call like a peak collaboration uh, is an interesting metric, I think. Um, and then uh, personas within um, within the um, sales cycle. Um, so like who, who are actually engaging with the product? Uh, is this the first line, uh, first line, uh, um, like first line employees, or do you also see key decision makers also exploring the product? Um, Do you see different pockets of the organization started to use the product? Um, All of a sudden, like the the usage increased. Um, What's the trigger around that? Um, So, um, I think a lot of companies uh, confuse uh, PQL with the activation metric and just say, oh, like here's, um, <laughs> you know, the number of people who use the product. Um, but I would say defining PQL itself, um, looking at more, more dimensions uh, to make sure you're, you're taking into account um, sort of the, uh, not only the uh, product usage signal, but also uh, the persona signals and firmographic signals. Totally. 
I love it. I mean, I think that's a pretty, this is a pretty, it feels like a meaty to the point first episode on, um, on what to consider when moving from PLG to sales assist. I know we could, we could obviously get like super nitty gritty, but I'd imagine for folks who haven't had that mix shift or haven't, you know, made that move yet, there's enough in here that they hopefully have like a to-do list and some things to think about and talk about with their team. Yeah. I almost see today as like, we're opening up a lot of threads and each yeah. one of the topics we, we just discussed can be its own episode almost. Totally. Uh, so, totally. so we're opening up the <laughs> Pandora's box, <laughs> right? which yes. is a good point for the people that are listening. So we want this to be a lot more uh, engaging. And so if you know this sparks some questions or ideas, let us know somehow. Probably LinkedIn is the best or whatever, you know how to get a hold of both of us. We're, we're people of the internet. <laughs> um, but yeah, like give us ideas for what, what you want us to dig more deeply into or, or new topics. We've got a laundry list of things that are top of mind for both of us, but I'm sure there are things that we haven't written down or thought of yet that we happen to have some experience, uh, you know, handling. So there we go. That's the first episode. There we go. Wow. 